Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And before we descend on our Bible studies, I would like you, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are free for your download and copy. And all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There's no registration, there's no email requirements, no subscriptions, no thumbs up, and you will never have to pay a penny. My only goal is to connect you with Christ Jesus through this podcast and through my website. We do have a voluntary contact form on our website. And that's if you would like to receive my latest Bible study before it gets posted to our website. But it's 100% voluntary. You can find all of my Bible studies at www.hopeisaprayerway.com www.hopeisaprayerway.com Now, let's get into the Word of God. In today's Bible study, we are going to be studying about the book of Exodus. So we find that the book of Exodus uh, takes place around circa B.C. 1491. So let us establish how we get the dates for the Exodus. In 1 Kings 6 and verse 1, it is stated that the building of the temple in the fourth year of Solomon was in the 480th year after the Exodus. The fourth year of Solomon was about B.C. 1012, at 480 years, leaving off one year because neither the fourth year of Solomon nor the 480th was a full year. And we have B.C. 1491 as the date of the Exodus. Now, what does Exodus mean in the Greek language? It means going out. We're going out. And in Exodus 12, verse 40, it is said that the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. What does the Bible say about Pharaoh? What does, it, what, what, what does his name mean? Well, it was the title of an Egyptian king's. The Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus was King Ramses II, and that's B.C. 1491. Now, let's break down in the Greek and see what the name Ramses mean in the Egyptian language. And it means begotten by Ra, the sun god. So the history of the Exodus itself commences with with the close of that of the Ten Plagues. In the night in which, at midnight, the firstborn were slain, as found in Exodus 12.29, Pharaoh urged the departure of the Israelites. Exodus 12, verses 31 through 32. And, uh, and we read the book of Ex- when we read the book of Exodus carefully, we see that there are two Pharaohs described. Not one, but two. So the Pharaoh of the oppression is the one described up until Exodus 2.33, or Exodus 2.23, I'm sorry. And the Pharaoh of the Exodus is the one described after, since 2.23, records that the Pharaoh of the oppression died. Now, what was the great miracle? 
So on the morning of the 15th day of the first month, according to Numbers 33-3, or verse 3, the Israelites had made three journeys and were encamped by the Red Sea. It was here that Pharaoh overtook them, and the great miracle occurred by which they were saved, while the pursuer and his army were totally destroyed. And that's when Moses prays to the Lord, and with the Lord's blessings, he parts the the Red Sea. Now, what were the ten plagues uh, that the Lord used on Egypt? Number one, now the Nile River was turned into blood. That's found in Exodus seven fourteen through twenty five. He sent frogs. That's found in Exodus eight one through fifteen. He sent swarms of lice and gnats. That's found in Exodus eight sixteen through nineteen. He sent flies. Exodus eight twenty through thirty two. He put disease on their cattle. In Exodus 9, 1 through 7, he sent boils and sores on man and animals. Exodus 9, 8 through 11, he sent destruction on crops and cattle by hail. And that's found in Exodus 9, verses 12 through 35. He also sent destruction of crops by locusts. And that's found in Exodus 10, verses 21 through 29. He also sent darkness, and that's found in Exodus 10, 29 through 20, 21 through 29. That's Exodus 10, 21 through 29, where he sends complete darkness. And finally, the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn, and that can be found in Exodus 11, verses 1 through 10. Who were the main characters in the book of Exodus? Number one, we find it's God. Number two would be Moses. Number three would be Aaron, Moses' brother. Number four would be Pharaoh. Number five would be Joseph. Six would be Zipporah, Moses' wife. Number seven is Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, a Midianite priest. Number eight, Moses asked God for his real name, to which God replies, I am that I am. Wow. Number nine, the opening of the Red Sea. Number 10, the Lord gives manna and water, provides manna and water in the desert to to the Israelites. In the middle of the desert, he creates water and he feeds them with manna. Oh, those are the only things that, only things that God can do. 11. God gives Moses two tablets of stone containing the words of the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. We also learn about the topic of salvation in the book of Exodus. Now, biblical scholars describe the the Bible's theologically theologically motivated history writings as salvation history. And what that means is a history of God's savings actions. 
that give identity to Israel, the promise of offspring and land to the ancestors, the exodus from Egypt in which God saves Israel from slavery, the wilderness wanderings, the revelation at Sinai, and the hope for the future life in the promised land. These are all the, the elements that lead to salvation. Now we also find that there's a, 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 a theological term called a theophany. What is a theophany? A theophany is a manifestation or an appearance of God in the Bible, an appearance of the God of Israel accompanied by storms, the earth trembles, the mountains quake, and the heavens pour out rain, thunder peals, and lightning flashes. The theophany in Exodus begins on the third day from their arrival at Sinai in chapter 19. Yahweh and his peep and the people met at the mountain. God appears in the storm and converses with Moses, giving him the Ten Commandments while the people listen. The theophany is therefore a public experience of divine law. And in the second half of Exodus, marks at the point at which, at which end describes the process through which God's theophany becomes a permanent presence for Israel via the tabernacle. That so much, that so much of the book, chapters 25 through 31, and chapters 35 through 40, describe the plans of the tabernacle, demonstrates the importance it played in the perception of the Second Temple of Judaism. At the time of the, of the Texas redaction by the priestly writers, the tabernacle was in place where God is physically present, where though the priesthood of Israel could be in direct and literal communications with him. So God makes a covenant, and it's called the Sinaitic Covenant. At the heart of Exodus is that Sinaitic Covenant, a covenant is a legal document binding two parties to take on certain obligations towards each other. There are several covenants in the Bible, and in each case, they exhibit at least some of the elements in the real-life treaties of the ancient Middle East. A preamble, historical, prologue, stipulations, depositions, and reading list of witnesses, blessings and curses, and ratification by animal sacrifice. Biblical covenants, in contrast to Eastern covenants in general, are between a God, Yahweh, and a people, Israel, instead of between a strong ruler and a weaker vassal. Now, we have for the first time elections in Israel. So God elects Israel for salvation because the sons of Israel are the firstborn sons of the God of Israel, descended through Shem and Abraham to the chosen line of Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. 
The goal of the divine plan in Exodus is a return to humanity's state in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, so that God can dwell with the Israelites as he had with Adam and Eve through the ark and tabernacle, which together form a model of the universe. And then later, the Abrahamic religious Israel becomes the guardian of God's plan for humanity to bring God's creation blessings to mankind begin in Adam. And friend, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've accepted Christ, but I want you to know that all of the miracles that Christ did, they point to you, to me, to all of us that we serve a God that can do the things that no other person can do, that no other God can do. And if you would like to accept Jesus this day as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say a prayer, and all you have to do is pray after me or pray along with me. Let us pray, please. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne. We ask you for forgiveness of all of our sins. We ask you to please come into our lives and be our Lord and our Savior. From this day forward, Father, please walk with us, talk to us, hear us, Father, guide us. And we accept your sacrifice on Calvary. And we accept that you are the Son of God and that you were risen on the third day, and that you were seated at the right hand of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Friends, if you said that prayer, I do believe that you are born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible preaching and teaching church, and grow in Christ, spread the gospel. Spread the gospel to anyone and everyone who would like to receive it. But don't push it on them. Remember, Christianity is a relationship. It's based on whether you and I and anyone would like to have a relationship with Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. So if you've ever been told or turned off by a church... All because you did this and this and that. Friends, if you want a relationship with Jesus, his hand is sticking out to you and saying, Come, be free of all your sins. I died for you. I love you. And it doesn't matter what sins we've committed. He cares not to remember the past. So with that, let me close with the words of Reverend John H. Osteen, and may he rest in peace. And in my humble opinion, it's the best phrase I've, I've ever heard. He would always close out his, uh, his sermons and his TV shows with the following phrase. Keep Jesus first place in your life. And he will take you places that you've never dreamed of.
Wow. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to hopefully enlighten you and connect you with Christ Jesus. I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Thank you.